Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you on this Tuesday morning. It is April 13th, 2021. Wow, is time flying. Right now in Minnesota, in Brooklyn Heights, I believe it is, Minnesota, the powder keg is ready to blow again. And I want you to pay very close attention to this message today, but you're going to find out that we're not just sitting here playing games with God. Honestly, we are hearing things by the Spirit, and we are nothing but dust, but we are hearing genuine things that are coming to pass, and we need to pay attention. I don't know about you, but I think people everywhere on one side of this day are feeling the gross darkness that's coming in, and hopefully those of us that have heard the word of the Lord have escaped already out of the snare and have entered into the glorious light of Jesus Christ and are walking in the wisdom and the light of Christ. Um, It's happening right now. It's happening and it's going to come like an accelerated force of speed so fast. Things are happening rapidly. And so we're going to talk about that today, but you do need to know another young man was, I believe his name is Duante Wright was shot and killed yesterday in Minnesota where the George Floyd incident began last year. And I shared with you last week on Thursday or Friday, I'm going to share it with you again about the flint that will be struck again. I'm going to read it exactly the way I read it. And it's interesting that this is happening, but there's a lot going on around the world everywhere. But I want to begin today's Bible study in Ezekiel chapter 3. 
Ezekiel chapter 3. So be patient with me, and I want to read a couple of verses. Um, Ezekiel 3, 1, moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat that you find, eat this roll, and go speak unto the house of Israel. So, And I believe that God would tell Ezekiel to go and speak to the house called America today. And if you will allow the dualistic reality of prophecy to be fulfilled, God would raise up the prophet Ezekiel. He would say, take these words, go and speak to the Judeo-Christian nation in its present condition. And here's what he said. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that roll. And he said unto me, son of man, cause your belly to eat. Fill your bowels with this roll that I give you. Then did I eat it, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. And he said to me, Son of man, go, get thee unto the house called America, and speak with my words unto them. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to the house of America, not to many people of a strange speech and of a hard language, whose words thou cannot understand. Surely, had I sent you to them, the foreign nations, they would have hearkened unto you. But the house of America will not hearken unto you, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of America are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces, and your forehead strong against their foreheads. As an adamant harder than flint have I made your forehead. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. All right, the commissioning of the prophet Ezekiel. And I don't know about you, but I believe that these times demand the prophet. I really believe that the prophetic anointing of God needs to be raised up. And if we're not willing to listen to the prophetic words of Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and all the prophets of God that have spoken to their nation and to the four nations, uh, we're in trouble because all we have is this peace and safety junk going on everywhere. And people are not really preparing for what's coming down the pike. And the urgency is getting intensified really it's at the door, blowing the door down. Forget about knocking at the door anymore. It's blowing the door down, and it's coming. It's an invasion. It's coming swiftly. God tells Ezekiel, uh, you're, I'm sending you to a rebellious nation. They're not going to listen to me. They're not going to listen to you. Nonetheless, I want you to drop my words in there so that when their judgment comes, I will be justified, for I will have had my words written to, that have warned them and because they refused the warning. America, watch out. Here it comes. Verse 10, moreover, he said unto me, son of man, all my words that I shall speak unto you, receive in your heart and hear with your ears and go get thee to them of the captivity unto the children of your people and speak unto them and tell them, thus saith the Lord God, whether they will hear, whether they will forbear. So whether they listen or not, go and speak. Then I want to go to, uh, if I can, let's go to Ezekiel 33. Ezekiel 33. And in Ezekiel 33, just bringing the words of God out here this morning. And let's begin in verse 1. 
Ezekiel 33, verse 1. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, when I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coasts and set him for their watchmen, if when he sees the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever hears the sound of the trumpet and takes not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. Now, what that's obviously saying is that if the watchman warns the people, but the people don't take warning when they get hurt, that's on them because they didn't pay attention. Verse five says, he heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him, but he that takes warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come and take not the, and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, son of man, I have set you a watchman under the house of Israel over America. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die if you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Therefore, O thou son of man, speak unto the house of America, Ezekiel's the watchman, thus you speak, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us and we pine away in them, how should we then live? Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. There's the Father's heart right there. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. That's Father God's heart. I would to God all men would repent. It is not his will that any would perish. We see that in the Old Testament, the New Testament. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of America? Therefore, thou son of man, say unto the children of your people, your righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turns from his wickedness. A lot of people relish in America's greatness yesterday and the, the right things it did. Well, that past righteousness is not going to save the nation in its present perversion and wickedness. All right. Now, I want to stop here for just a moment. This is about a watchman. This is about God setting people to watch. And this is about a sword coming. This is about a sword. And I'm going to say it as plainly as I possibly can because I'm giving God all the glory. Holy Spirit gets all the credit because it's him. It's his intelligence. You know, if God makes you or I smart, what right would we have to think we did anything, right? I mean, if God gives us intelligence, why would we claim it as our own? Why would we boast? We, would, we don't. 
But what I want to read to you right now, in light of what's happening in Minnesota, right now, 40 people were arrested last night, just last night, in the protests. A young man was shot and killed. He was resisting police. He, he, he got into the struggle. You shouldn't do that. You just shouldn't do that. And now, regardless of what laws and legal actions and whatever follows, the kid is dead. And he should have stayed still. He should not have resisted. There were four or five police around. He should have allowed them to go and not have suffered himself to have been shot and killed. Whatever the story is, he's gone. Now the only question is where does Dante's soul or Duarte's soul go? I'm sorry, I don't know the exact name. I know his name, his last name was Wright. So he's gone. Bad, terrible, horrible. But he shouldn't have resisted. Maybe there are reasons why he did. We don't know. But he should not have resisted and struggled and, and, and done what he did. Now he's gone. So whatever happens. But here's the point today. This sparked, again, protests, fires, violence, violence. Thursday, just a few days ago, or Friday, I came on these airwaves with a word of warning, urgency. And I want to read exactly what they said to you, okay? And here's what they said. I started here. You can try to plug up the gaping hole in the Titanic, but it is not going to work. Okay, all this stuff, they're trying to patch everything together in America. No, it, hits, it hit the iceberg. It's going down. The nation's going down. I don't care what anybody else wants to say, whatever they want. This nation has struck the rock of judgment. They have run directly into the rock. And the Bible says either you fall upon the rock and be broken or you are crushed by the rock. America has struck the rock. And that is going to bring, this nation's going down, period. That's the way it is. That's what God is saying. And if you can't see it yet and you're just still all involved in other things, man, wake up, really wake up. Now, the idea here is how do we abandon ship? Come out of her, my people. We talked about that. Now, here was the word. A decree has been made. I read this the other day. I'm going to read it again. A decree has been made. Now the third wave rises. War is determined. An outbreak out of nowhere. George Floyd's death sparked internal anarchy. The flint will be struck again, and a large flame shall burst into a raging epidemic of war and violence. Now listen, in this urgent decree, this word that we brought to the airwaves last week, it had to do with George Floyd in Minnesota, that out of nowhere, it sparked what we saw for nine months. This word, a few days ago, that the flint will be struck again. And what we're seeing in the protests is, again, a young black male shot and protests. It's being struck again. Do you see the connection? This is what God was saying, and in days it is now being fulfilled, and we don't know how far this is going to go. But we know that there are a combination of events that are happening right now everywhere, from Russia 
China, the, the 80,000 Russian troops that are now lining their border. Uh, there is activity with jets flying over the Taiwan and from China. There are all kinds of activities going on. They're now putting a pause on the Johnson & Johnson vaccination because of the blood clots that are coming. On the one side, they're forcing people, if they want to have a job, to make sure they have a vaccination or they can't work. The other side, they're slowing down the vaccinations because they're not working. I mean, the insanity of this moment is amazing. And that's not all that's happening. I mean, things are ready to blow. And again, I want to read it one more time. Just a few days ago, this is what the Spirit of the Lord said. This is how the watchman of the Word of God, the Word of God is the watchman, okay? It's God's Word that's watching out. And all you have to do is be a vessel to listen to what God says and then say what God wants spoken. He told Ezekiel, I'm putting my words in your mouth. You speak what I say. Not what you think, not what you care about, not your opinions. You just say what I tell you to say. Now, if a person is willing to say what God has to say, whether people like it or not, then that's the way it is. You speak what God says. So far, the things that God has spoken over this nation are being fulfilled. And the false prosperity, peace, and safety preachers are not fulfilling. They are not speaking the words of God to the nation. Okay, I mean, if you want to speak the blessing of the Lord over a righteous people who are a remnant people who are separated under the Lord and obey him in every area of their lives, then by all means, the blessing is there. But to bless a nation that slaughters 90 million babies, sheds innocent blood, pedophiles, homosexuals, pornographers, corruptors, defilers, I mean, people warring against the Constitution of a people that love the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, you could do that, but it's false. So all God asks us to do is put, he puts his words in our mouth, we speak them. Now, every one of his kids should have his word in their mouth. And every one of his children should be speaking what God's word says in the right moment, speaking the right word. We are not in a season now that people should be speaking peace and safety and prosperity. That is not the time. It hasn't been that time for our generation. Our whole generation from 1973, when Pastor David Wilkerson, Dimitri Dudeman, and other prophetic voices were raised, rising up saying, wait a second, America, you've just gone through the 1960s debauchery of free sex and LSD. You, you totally made war with God in the 1960s. 1970s, you're going to war in Vietnam. You're passing laws for abortion. You're moving into the cocaine age of the 1980s, and I mean... There had to have been a voice in our generation saying, stop what you're doing. We haven't stopped. We've never stopped. We have gone headlong into the deep waters of judgment, turmoil, stress, consternation, and breaking. And just as the Titanic was in its deep waters, there's a rock in the middle of the ocean. And of all places that that ship could have gone, it struck that rock because the intelligence of God said to the man that said, nobody will ever sink the Titanic, not even God could sink the Titanic. Well, I disagree. And I disagree that America will be prosperous and beautiful again. No, it will not be. It will not be prosperous and beautiful in America. America is going to burn. America is going to collapse. America is going to drown because it's already been drowning in perdition. And you need to be ready for it. And again, days ago, an urgent warning. The third wave rises. And you know, if you've been following this ministry, we, we predicted four waves. The first wave was coronavirus. The second wave was anarchy, civil disobedience. The third wave, 
war, the fourth wave lights out. And we have seen those two waves come and go in the whitewash behind them. The third wave is the wave of war, and that's what's growing all around the world right now and internally and domestically. And so God was saying the third wave rises, war is determined, an outbreak out of nowhere, again, two nights ago, out of nowhere, in the same place, Minnesota. George Floyd's death sparked internal anarchy. This was days ago. The flint will be struck again, and a larger flame shall burst into a raging epidemic of war and violence. That's the word of God. That's, those are his words. And they're being fulfilled within days now. Then this word said, enter into your ark. Many caught off guard because all they hear is peace and safety. Awake. Perceive. Recognize. The signs. To awake is to recognize and perceive through a biblical lens the signs of the times. And if you are still under the delusion of peace and safety, something's drastically wrong with your walk with God. If you are under the delusion that everything's going to be all right, there's sin in your life. You are walking in unrighteousness and disobedience to the word of God in some area of your life. And I'm not talking about gloom and doom, wild-eyed prophets and all that stuff. I'm saying if you don't recognize the signs of the times in our nation and in our world at this moment, and you can't recognize and perceive, and you don't understand this moment, something's wrong with your walk with God. You have either swallowed the bait of once saved, always saved, and pre-trib rapture or something. You've bitten into something because you were not cautious. You were not your own watchman over your own life. You allowed people to lie to you with doctrine that wasn't true. You're allowing somebody that doesn't have, you know, they may, you know, false prophets, false teachers, false apostles, they come in shining lights and they have a, a, a whimsical thing of understanding but there's something wrong in their life and you chose to ignore what is wrong in their life. So you heard their words and you took it in because you had man's admiration in mind or whatever your situation was. But if you are not viewing this moment right now in the urgency of what God has been saying that has been showing itself to be true, you need to repent Immediately. The only reason why you're hearing this broadcast, I refuse to tickle ears. I refuse to just get into drama. I'm telling you, this word was spoken days ago, and the flint has been struck again, just like it said. And there is going to rise violent war in this country. And it's probably going to break out all over the world. But I'm concerned today about your soul being lethargic, compromised lukewarm, half in, half out, uninterested, not really prepared, kind of prepared, but maybe not. I'm warning you, your soul, that that young boy that was shot and killed in Minnesota a couple of days ago, Mr. Wright, he's gone now. And the question is, where is his soul? 
And I am going to tell you that the spirit of murder, the spirit of hate, the spirit of intimidation and fear and panic are going to run rampant within this nation. I warn you. I, I warn you. And when you get into the presence of that spirit and you are not prepared, if you are not really prepared, man, I'm telling you, it's going to overwhelm your life. It's, just, it's, it's not going to be a happy moment. What you're going to see break out in the, in the word that we also shared was that the fires that we saw in 2020 burning in the cities that and, and, and down here is a summer of violence that's coming. 2020 was the preview year. 2020 was the preview year to what we're in right now. We talked about the summer of violence. We talked about how President Trump said this is going to be a dangerous summer. It's going to be horrible. These are his words, because he knows something, probably. But the Spirit of God has decreed these things. He said this is the preview to Amos chapter 8. Amos chapter 8. Many dead bodies everywhere. They just, uh, in, in Rick Wiles' True News, they brought forth an article of body bags that they're bringing into a particular city in Russia to clean up the dead bodies that are going to be laying on their ground from this coming war. You might want to go to True News from yesterday and listen to that. It's a 24-minute program. They could explain that to you. Regardless, folks, I'm telling you, this, this is, to me, this is God's heart. This is what God does. This is Ezekiel speaking to America, telling America, this is what's coming. The sword of war is coming on your land. The sword of war is coming on your land. And it's coming sooner than you think. The flint has been struck again. Now, if this word is to be fulfilled, if this is accurate, the flint has been struck. The protests are here again. We said it a couple of days ago, and out of nowhere, it's happened again. And then in Tennessee, another young male was shot and killed. We'll, we'll hear more about this. So the flint has been struck out of nowhere, but this time it says the flame will burst into a raging epidemic of war and violence. And it's going to be a much larger flame than what we saw in 2021 because the cities that were on fire before our eyes in 2020, all those months, the fire is going to spread into the suburban areas. It's going to spread from the cities into suburbia America, into neighborhoods of little hamlets and towns. In other words, this Flame, this forest fire that is being set in America isn't going to be contained in cities. Your neighborhoods are going to come under this violence. If you live in a neighborhood and you don't have a plan for you and your neighbors, maybe your neighbors are part of it. Maybe they drive around with the BLM license plates and the stickers, and maybe they are Antifa. Maybe your neighbor is LGBTQ. Who knows who your neighbors really are? But if you don't have a plan for your neighborhood and you're going to ride this out alone when this stuff comes, you may be in for a very difficult season. But you are being warned. And again, I'm going to say it. If you are thinking peace and safety, oh, this guy's just being dramatic. Oh, these, you know, these words, oh, this, you know, gloom and doom. Oh, terrible, terrible. If that's where you are, I fear for your soul.
So when God puts intelligence inside of us, it's not our intelligence. When he puts his words in our mouth, it's not our words. But when we speak God's words and then see God's words be fulfilled, it's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing. Now, if you follow our ministry, what you know is that there's another side to this. Okay? There's another side to this day. I've just explained to you a fragment of what the gross darkness is going to have contained within it. The gross darkness that is descending upon the nations, as the prophet Isaiah said would do, has inside of it an intelligence of its own. It has murder and hate and rebellion and anarchy and violence and death. I mean, the demonic powers in this darkness are going to feast upon human beings. Something beyond what we can actually imagine is ready to break out everywhere. Out of the darkness, out of the pit, rose a smoke, Revelation 9. And out of the smoke came locusts. And they stung men for five months. They were tormented and they sought death and death fled from them. Something is coming out of this present darkness. Something evil, something wicked. And the only way to protect yourself from it is to he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm going to read it one more time in Psalm 91, because this is it. If this is not on your life, and this is all in the blood of Jesus, if this is not your reality or my reality, we are in trouble. We are in trouble. Psalm 91, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Do you want to live anywhere else? than under the shadow of the Almighty? Not me. I don't want to live anywhere else. I wouldn't want the nicest island on the world. I'd rather be in the lowest part of this earth under the shadow of the Almighty. I don't care geographically where I lived. It's wherever I am, I want to be under the shadow of the Almighty. Living, hunkering down in a bunker, you know, somewhere, if your heart's not right with God, it's not going to save you. Honest to God, we get that. If your heart is not right with God, or my heart is not right with God, and we've got all these preparations and all this stuff, it will not, those things will not save us. We get that. We absolutely understand that. However, we could be in a place so small, so simple, so insignificant, like a place called Goshen, and God's wings will be over our lives, and that's where we want to dwell. That's where you want to be. Everywhere you go today, everywhere you go tomorrow, everywhere you go, just keep saying it. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I'm going to talk to you about that secret place from a letter from Pastor David Wilkerson in the 1970s. I believe it was. It may have been the 1990s. I have the letter here. I'll share it with you. So, Whoever dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, you need to say of the Lord right now, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Praise the Lord. Man, if you're dwelling under the shadow of the Almighty, 
If you're making a declaration that God, the Lord, is your refuge, your fortress, he's your God, and in him will you trust, it's a good start. Surely, verse 3, he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Surely, absolutely, beyond the shadow of a doubt, your God will save you. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of mercies and comfort, the God of grace and forgiveness and loving kindness, the God of power and strength, the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, your Father through your faith in Jesus Christ, he is reconciled to your Father. Your Father will protect you. If you trust him, if you abide in him, you remain with him, He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Whatever that fowler is, whoever that fowler is, I've seen God take people out that were going to be a harm to his kids because his kids honored him. I'm telling you, God will do amazing things for those that love him. But we need to check our hearts. We can't just think that we're honoring the Lord and serving the Lord if our heart really isn't. And we need to examine. We need to understand. And this letter from David Wilkerson I get to it, man. It'll, it'll probe your heart. It'll search your heart. Now he goes on in verse 4. He shall cover you with his feathers. Under his wings shall you trust. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You see, the truth right now that I believe the word is declaring about these times is a shield and a buckler. It holds us together. It's a strength. It's a shield of protection. We're not going to be caught off guard. We're not going to be deceived. We are going to be prepared. His truth guides us. His protection is there. we're, We're covered by his feathers. We're under his wings. And remember, in Malachi, there's healing in his wings. And we're trusting him. We're relying upon him. Okay? I want to do something. Oh, yes, got to do it. Got to do it. I want to put this. I just want to give that Hebrew definition for trust. And I know it's pretty simple. Um, let's just go here under his wings. All right. So that word trust for anybody that's interested, he shall cover you with his feathers under his wings. Shalt thou trust Twenty six twenty. Okay. And right above that, I wanted to get this, that word trust, his truth shall be your shield and buckler. That word tw- uh, trust is the kasah, and it literally means to flee for protection, to confide in, to have hope. And it literally is a place of refuge that you could go to and know that you're safe. You, you have prepared a refuge in the natural world. You have a bug out place, quote unquote. And you feel like you've labored to put your food, your water. You have an ark that you built. You've done something in your neighborhood, whatever. You have a place that you've mapped out. You want to go to. You've prepared a little bit. Well, you trust that that's going to be useful, right? Well, here, the Lord is our refuge, okay? So that while we're moving to our prepared places that God's told us to prepare for, we maintain under his covering to be able to get from point A to point B. We live and move in him, 
Okay, so trust, reliance upon the Lord. Now, verse 5, you shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day. Why won't you be afraid? Because you're going to be under the covert, under the wings, in the refuge of the Lord. And in his presence, there is no fear. And in his presence, there is no dread. When you're un- under the wing of Jesus, you're not shaking, biting your, t- your nails. You are confidently standing next to the one who is your shelter and your protection. And either God is your protection and mine, or something in this world you're making your protection. And I'm telling you right now, through the word of God, it's not going to help you. I don't care how many bullets, how many guns. If God is not your source of protection, primarily a bazooka, a nuclear bomb, I don't care what you have in your presence. It's not going to save you. It's not going to help you in the day's work that are coming, in the terror that is coming. And terror is coming. Now, he goes on. You shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. All these things, there's four of them there, right? Terror, the arrow, the pestilence, destruction. He says, you're not going to be afraid of any of that when you're standing confidently next to your Lord, who is your bodyguard. He's your bodyguard. He's there to protect you, your family, and everybody you will bring under his wings. He really is your source. He really is our God. He is our God. The nations may not like that idea, laugh at it, scoff at it, mock at it, but I don't know how you're still here living on this planet, but I know how I'm still here. It hasn't been by me keeping myself alive, I'll tell you that. It's been God has been my protection. I have fled to the Lord a long time ago. I have fled to him. And as long as I abide under the shadow of the Almighty, I feel very confident. That's why I do what I do. I'm not some heroic, bold person in and of myself. I do what I do because I stand confidently next to God. And I let him put words in my mouth and into my belly. I receive them and then I speak them because I'd rather... Be, a, be in trouble with the world than be in trouble with God. And God told Jeremiah, I'm putting my words in your mouth, and if you don't do what I tell you to do, I'm going to deal with you in front of everybody. I refuse to go there to get the admiration of men. No, no, no. Uh, it's just no. And so you don't have to be afraid when you really believe and have faith and trust in God. But you know and I know if you're sinning in your life, you can't confidently stand next to God. If there's willful sin in your life, if, you know, anything, gossip, slander, pride, ego, anything that you know that the Spirit of God convicts you of, you don't repent of that, man, you can't stand confidently before God, and that makes you vulnerable at that moment. You don't want to be vulnerable right now, not even for a second. If there is sin, it must be confessed and repented of. You must express it to God, your high priest. You must confess. And if you have done something to somebody, you need to do that. And I'm telling you, at that moment, you're back under the hedge. And the gates of hell cannot touch you. But don't leave yourself vulnerable. 
I am oftentimes in confession in the middle of the night because my, my conscience won't let me rest if I've done something, even just talking, and it wasn't the right conversation. I, am, I just can't sleep with that. And you shouldn't be able to either. You should have nothing. You know, when phobias come or fears or suspicions or things come into the heart or, you know, that dark energy starts flowing around and whatever's going on, you can't just sleep with that. You got to get up and it draws you to prayer and it brings you to God and it brings you to confession. Lord, is there anything in my heart? And when you're at peace with God, you're standing with him. I'm telling you, the environment changes. You could walk into a death zone and be okay as long as you're walking with God next to him. So God wants you and I to have a confident hope and trust in him. And thank God Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Thank God that Jesus Christ died for our sins. Thank God for his mercy and forgiveness and grace and redemption. Hallelujah. It's available to all of us. We could dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Now, moving on. A thousand shall fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand but it shall not come nigh thee. You know, I just, the Holy Spirit is telling me this right now. In relationships, husbands and wives, for example, you get into conflict, I'm telling you, you need to come back into peace as quickly as possible. Because you know and I know, if you're in love, if you're married, and there's conflict and separation, you are now vulnerable. Now, God's mercy has been exponentially wonderful. Praise God for his mercy. We didn't get what we deserve, and he stopped the devil. But a time is coming where God is calling for unity. God is calling for harmony. God is calling for intimacy, not only with him, with us, but with the body of Christ. So wherever there's schism, wherever there's division, wherever there is separation, there's got to be a quick repentance. Folks, I, I live in that realm. I am constantly seeking, what have I done wrong? Where would I have caused a schism? What have I done? I'm constantly there, and I don't like it necessary. I'd rather just kind of live whimsically. Everything's okay. No, this is too urgent of a moment for a husband and a wife, just as an example, to be in conflict and keep conflict. No, somebody's got to be the big person and humble themselves and bring that relationship back into a synergy, a harmony, a unity, a unanimous harmony, a real one. Someone's love has got to prevail. Now, if that's in a marriage, then it has to be in relationships in the body of Christ as well. And, you know, we, sometimes I say things and I thought, man, I should have never said that. Or I said it in a tone or a manner. I should have never said it in that tone or manner. And I, I don't know, that just happens every once in a while. And then I, I get, it bends me out of shape. And so I got to work it to get it back into proper alignment with God. Folks, this is, a, this is a journey of working out our salvation with fear and trembling. So again, a thousand shall fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. That's where we want to live. That's where we want to live. And you know why it won't come nigh us? Because we're under the wing of our father. He's got his arms around us. I mean, can you imagine your adversary chasing you down and you now are you're running to the refuge and now God has you next to him and he's put his arms around you and he's looking at that thing like, yeah, you got something to say? You got something? And that enemy drops dead right in his presence or runs for their lives. Come on. 
God is our greatest security from everything that the enemy could throw at us. So let's make sure we get very close to him. Now, only with your eyes, only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Hmm. This is our covenant promise. Do you know that this is a covenant promise in the Old Testament Psalms? We have a better covenant, a greater promise than this. This is good, but it is only a quote-unquote Old Testament covenant. We have a better covenant with better promises. What could be better than this? Something about the spiritual environment of the joy, the peace, the love, the abundant, the blessing in the obedient children of God. You see, this is the balance between the day of gross darkness and glorious light. In the time of glorious light, dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, under the shadow of our God, our lives, we go, he's an invisible God, but he's got us everywhere. We're under him, and we're flowing and being led by the Spirit with him. But he's just blessing the daylights. Our relationships are at peace. There's joy. The devil opposes unity. You have to know that because in unity, there is power. So the devil opposes unity. He does everything in his power. He exploits our weaknesses. He exploits our carnal mind as long as we give place to it. He exploits our emotions. He exploits our phobias. He exploits our fears. He exploits our uh, human nature, our flesh. He'll exploit it. That's why you and I have to continuously carry the cross, carry the cross, nullify, kill it. Don't respond to it. Don't listen to the phobias. Don't listen to the fears. Don't listen to the accusations. Don't receive anything in your heart against anybody. It could be your own mind being exploited by the devil. You shoot for unity. You be the unifier. You be the unanimous, harmonious one. And if we all work on that, praise God. I think God's got a plan right now that's going to rock the world. I really do. Bigger than the darkness, bigger than the evil, bigger than all that dark stuff, that dark energy that's flowing everywhere in the cloud of darkness. There's an energy coming from the power of God in the spirit of God that is so amazing. And I've just begun to talk about it with our congregation. And already the warfare has begun. Woo! And I'm saying, praise God, because this is the territory the devil doesn't want us in. He doesn't mind us camping out in the wilderness, but don't take the promised land. And we're going for the promised land, folks. And I hope you're getting serious about this. Now, he goes on to say, because you have made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, your habitation. Now, what does that mean, a habitation there? You've made the Lord your ma'an. You've made the Lord your abode or the tabernacle. You've made him your tabernacle or the temple. This is in the Hebrew. You've made him your home, your retreat, your asylum. Praise God. You've made him that. He's your home. Whenever you want to go home, you go home to your house, right? You want to just go to your house. Man, I've been out all day. I just want to go home. I want to rest. You want to go to your home. Our home is God. God is our resting place. Even in the midst of the greatest conflict, we can find rest in God through Jesus Christ. And God is saying, you know, whether we have these physical homes that we live in, even here there could be strife, contention, fear, and doubt if he's not our home. So it's a constant spiritual resting place, okay? And we like our home, quite frankly. Thank you, Lord. Now, 
Verse 10, there shall, listen, here's a promise. There shall no evil befall you. Neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. And again, that word plague in the Hebrew is the negah. And that negah means a disease, a uh, metaphorical disease, a wound, a stroke, an infliction, a blow. You see, a stripe, it won't touch you. There's going to be many blows, many stripes. But when God is your refuge, when Jesus Christ is your refuge, I'm telling you, he, God says it. No evil shall befall thee. <clears throat> Neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. <clears throat> God will protect your home. God will overshadow your home. In fact, in the home fellowships that God's ready to establish, his word says, and by his spirit he revealed, his glory is going to be on every house. It's Isaiah chapter 4. Upon every house, upon every dwelling place in Israel. And now this is in, in our time. This is what we're doing here with the home fellowships. God will set his glory. Let me read it to you just real quick. I'm going to keep my finger here. But Isaiah chapter 4. This is the home fellowship anointing, if you want to call it that, whatever you want to call it. And here's what, what it says. <clears throat> Isaiah 4, verse, oh, I'll just go in verse 4. When the Lord have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. And the Lord, verse 5, this is Isaiah 4, 5, and the Lord will create Upon every dwelling place, your home, your house, right? The home fellowships of Mount Zion. We are Mount Zion. We are connected to Mount Zion. Hebrews 12. God will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion and upon her assemblies, okay, part of an assembly, a cloud and smoke by day, the shining of a flaming fire by night, for upon all the glory shall be a defense. And there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge for a covert from storm and from rain. You see, God is our habitation, our tabernacle. God will create a defense around the glory that is upon the assemblies and the dwelling places of the people belonging to him. It's Isaiah. Let's go back to Psalm 91, verse 11. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. We talked about the Passover angel in Exodus 23. It's a real angel. Peter met him in Acts chapter 12. But God says his angels, and this is what was quoted to Jesus Christ, now, Jesus Christ fulfilled this scripture. God kept, God, he knew the word. But this is a covenant for you who dwell under this secret place or in the secret place of the Most High under the shadow of the Almighty. This is your promise. But you have a greater promise in the new covenant of God's protection. 951. Thank you, Lord. So what are we saying on this Tuesday? We're saying there's a dark darkness coming. It's filled with demonic energy. It's ready to break out. But there's a place in the light 
And Jesus Christ is our light. Holy Spirit is our oil. We cannot lose our affection for him. We cannot lose our affection for God. The church in the book of Revelation of Ephesus, they left their first love. God would say to our generation, to you and I, return to your first love. Go back to your first love. Because if you don't, I'm going to remove your candlestick. And that means you'll have no light. The first love is your affection for Jesus Christ, your affection, your love for God, and how God's love for you forced, beautifully forced, a transformation in your life. You began to do what was right because you loved God and God loved you. Stir your affection. Let the fragrance of the ointment and the oil come from within you. There are some raw areas of the human soul. We talked about it this weekend. We talked about it on our men's meeting on Saturday, where we had about 25 men gather together, and we talked about Psalm 51 and how this fuller soap, this fuller, a fuller was a person that dealt with the raw, filthy wool of sheep. And how they had to take it and cleanse it through different techniques. And the raw filthiness of our human nature needs a fuller and a fuller's soap. Jesus Christ is our fuller. And the cleansing agent is his blood and his water that flowed out of his side. The blood is for the iniquity. The water is to bring the brightness and the cleansing. Oh, Psalm 51 is amazing if you want to really get cleaned up before the Lord. And don't you believe that what God really wants in these moments of what's coming is for you and I to have a clean heart? Create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart. And that comes through the blood of Jesus. Your faith, your acceptance, your understanding of that blood and that water. Because there's nothing else you can do. Their hearts are purified by faith, it says in the book of Acts. Your faith in the blood of Jesus, allowing that blood to sit upon the altar of your heart. Where? Where the raw, filthy human nature of our existence is. And I don't know if you like that language or not, but it's the language of God. And when David cried out, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, that's exactly what he said. Send a fuller who has a fuller soap, to send a fuller with his soap, with his cleansing agent, and cleanse me at the raw, filthy, bare reality of my human nature. Cleanse me in the inside. It's what David cried out for. Today, again, you and I have a fuller. The law couldn't do it. The law was not our fuller. It tried to be. The law could have been a fuller. It was God's law, but it didn't produce Our fuller is Jesus Christ. Do you know that it actually says in the definition of a fuller that it was the most undesirable job? A fuller had to get down into the dirt and the nasty parts. Jesus, it was an undesirable thing to go to the cross. But as a fuller, and Jesus being a fuller, he dealt with that. He went there for you and for me to cleanse us, to wash us 
And that word wash there, wash me thoroughly, literally means to tread and to trample with the feet. It was one of the ways they would take a garment and they would put it in the water and then they would trample it and tread it. And that's the blood trampled and tread upon. That blood has the DNA and the power to go to that filthy, raw, human nature reality and to deal with it. Man, if that were not possible, if Christ could not do that, I believe we'd be in mere religion. We would have just transferred from the law to, you know, just another can't do it. But I know that God can do it. David knew that God could do it. He could wash that stuff out of our hearts, the raw, filthy, at the depth. I know I said it 40 times because it means something. Because this is where church people are struggling. This is where Christians are struggling with the, with the dirty dirt. We're good with the external cleansing. Cleanse my conscience. Well, what about the subconscious? What about that raw, filthy human nature? Doesn't that need to be cleaned up in our lives and dealt with and overwhelmed? And how do you do it? Again, by faith. You could crawl on your knees. You could stripe your back. You could beat yourself up. You could live in condemnation, guilt, shame, and call that holiness. No, it's not. Guilt, shame, condemnation, false humility is not holiness. Holiness is when you receive what Jesus Christ has done for you by faith. He's already done it. He's never going to do it again. So you have to receive and you have to extract and you have to take the benefit of what he's done in your mind. And you need to know that his blood works at the deepest level of your, of your existence. But too many times we ignore the deep, dirty stuff. And the preachers tell us, oh, you're always going to have sin in your life. You're always going to be a sinner. Once saved, always saved. Don't expect perfection. I hate that doctrine. It so nullifies the work of Christ on the cross almost to say, all right, Jesus, you did all that on the cross, but it really doesn't have any meaning and value to get me totally cleaned up in this life. So I'll just kind of dwell under what you did and I'll continue to live the way I have. That is so dirty. That is so, so unholy, so unthankful, so unkind. God wants to clean you up. The question is, do you and I have the cry of David in our hearts? God, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. David knew his sin. He, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had her husband murdered. He lied. He cheated. He took, oh, he knew his sin. And he knew that while he was committing those actions, that sin was an offense to God. I don't know if Christians get there anymore. I don't know if they go with Job. You know, when Job cries out, I've heard you by the hearing of my ear, but now I see you and repent in dust and ashes. Because he saw his rottenness. He saw his filthiness. Or in Romans 7 with the Apostle Paul, oh, wretched man that I am. Wretched meaning rotten to the core. Why is present-day Christianity only dealing with the surface stuff? Why are we only dealing with the surface? Why isn't the power of the cross and the Christ of the cross and the blood of the cross going down deep inside of us, working out a salvation, a transformation? Why? Man, we, if we're not being fed this stuff, if we're not being broken, and that's why when I read that letter from Pastor David Wilkerson, I only got through one page, and I was captivated by the word of that man of God, that holy man of God. 
about the prayer closet. How prayerless have we become? Do you think married couples wake up one day and just say, I'm done? That's been working for years because of undealt with issues. It's going to feel like it just happened now. But the reality is if something's wrong all along and we're not paying attention to it, I'm not paying attention that I'm not hearing God. Hmm. I'm not paying attention that, you know, I'm really not sure. I'm a little confused. Um, I'm just, you know, kind of guessing right now. I don't really feel love and inspiration and fruit of the spirit. I haven't really examined myself to how much fruit I'm bearing in my life. And I'm not really sure about the tones and and, and the the words and where my head is and what I'm thinking, what's going on inside of me. Um, I think it would be better to cry out with Paul, oh, wretched man that I am, than to go on ignoring what we know is going on somewhere. We may not understand it, but something's wrong. Or to say with Job, after all this time, I saw you by by my scene. I want to read that. Job. Job 41, I think it is. Now, Job 42, he says in verse 5, Job 42, verse 5, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye, singular eye, my conscience, my spiritual eye, seeth thee. Wherefore, because my eye sees you, holy God, I abhor myself. Ashes. When Job saw God's holiness, he abhorred himself. What does that word abhor mean? Let's take a look. The word abhor, then I want to take you to another word. I don't know. I wasn't planning on doing this, but here we are. I abhor myself, right? So what was he saying? In Job 42.6, he's literally saying in the Strong's definition, I abhor myself because I've seen you. I moas. And it means literally I despise or spurn to disappear. In other words, I'm full of shame. I can't even see. I loathe, I melt, utterly vile person. Now, Paul, he cries out in another way, and Paul says it this way. In Romans chapter 7, he calls himself wretched. Oh, wretched man that I am. And here's what he's saying. And this is going back. This is really cool, actually, when you think about it. When he says, oh, wretched man, that word is a... Taliporos, all right? And the taliporos means, if you get down to the root, miserable. Let's get down over here. And it literally means uh, to, I want to get to the second word, the deeper root word. And it comes down to, to the idea of piercing a test, an experiment, a same trial, rotten to the core. Rotten to the core. Job abhorred himself when he saw God. 
Paul saw he was wretched before God, but it didn't stop there. Here it says in um, Revelation, Revelation chapter 3, because you say I am rich, this is Jesus now talking to the church at Laodicea, because you say I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and know not that you are wretched. You don't know that you're wretched. That word wretched there is the same word. And again, I want to read the word. You don't know that you are miserable, rotten to the core. You don't know your true condition. The question is, do we? Don't ignore what God is showing you. Take it to him in prayer. Understand that your confession to God, sincere confession, he already knows what's in your heart. This is for us to confess our sins and to receive his mercy and not only forgive us, but cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John chapter one, verse nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Holiness. He who purges himself of these things shall be a vessel meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. Purging. Having these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. How do we cleanse? How do we purge? Confession. Acknowledgement applying the blood, working the atoning blood sacrifice of Christ to the areas of our heart, the altar, continually until it's done. Until it's done. We don't stop. We continue in faith unto the salvation of our souls. Peter chapter 1. It's a confession unto. You don't stop with a one-time prayer at the altar. It's constant working out with faith, faith, not trying to do good works to get God's favor. No, we have that unmerited favor already. And out of the salvation that we're walking in, we do good works. We love to do good things for people. We love to serve. We love to give. We love to help. We love doing that because that's the spirit of Christ in us. That's who he is. So don't try to get things cleaned up by beating yourself up, it's not going to help you to beat yourself up. Condemnation, guilt, shame. Simply take it to the Lord in prayer. Go to the prayer closet. Confess. Talk about it. Talk to God. If you need to talk to somebody, you should have a pastor in your life. You should be able to talk to your pastor. If you don't trust your pastor, you're in the wrong church, quite frankly. So you need to find a place because there is a place for confessing one to another in the book of James. Why, why do you think the Spirit of the Lord's taking us in this direction right now? I didn't plan on it. I knew we needed to talk about the flint being struck again, to talk about the energy and the darkness that's coming, and then to talk about the glory of Psalm 91. But the idea is, depending on the condition of our heart, is where we're going to stand. And according to Joel, the middle ground will be gone, the valley of decision. Can't be in a gray zone right now. 
We're all in or we're all out. And that's the question. And I'm all in. How about you? In Jesus' name. I don't say that to impress anybody. I'm just hoping that my brothers and sisters are saying the same thing. I'm all in. I don't want anything inside of me. And you're saying the same. I don't want anything anywhere inside of me that's going to make me vulnerable to what's coming on this earth that will eventually steal my relationship with my God and Father and his Son, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, the gift of God that's to dwell with me forever. I don't want to forfeit that. I don't want to forfeit, and I need to know how not to do that. Well, I could give all my goods away. 1 Corinthians 13 That's not necessarily the answer to your problem, giving everything you have away. That's not necessarily the answer. He says here in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love or charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. I could give all that I have away? I could go to the stake and be burned? I could know all mysteries, move mountains? But if I don't have love, it doesn't profit me one thing. It sounds to me like what Paul was teaching by the Holy Spirit is love. These three remain, faith, hope, love, but the greatest of these is love. So I have to personally work work out my love walk with everybody in my sphere of influence. Love for God first, love for my neighbor. That means it begins in my marriage, period. And then because we have our little dog, he's easy to love, Max. Patricia's easy to love, too. Love begins here. Then, because our children are grown up and gone, we have to, with our family, which is the family of God, the people in our ecclesia, we train to love. We work on love because love never fails. You do that in your home. You do that in your sphere of influence maybe in the workplace, maybe your extended family. I mean, God's after love here, and without love, nothing works. So faith working by love. Faith working by love. Faith working by love. God loves you. God loves me. I've read it earlier. It's not his will that any would perish. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. In 2 Peter, he says that it's not his will that any would perish but that all would come to repentance. Our Father, our God, the one and only true God, loves his creation. But they get stiff-hearted, stubborn, like the call of Ezekiel. They won't listen to him. They have rebelled. They have put him away. I'm not putting him away. May God never allow that. May I die first. May I physically die before I would ever Embarrass him, put him to shame, or do something purposely that would bring reproach upon his name. May I physically die first, period. So he's after something in you and I. 
The lines are open, 818-369-0326. If you'd like to speak into this broadcast at all, you press 1 on the dial pad. I'll go to the chat room right now. I, I just feel a, a sobriety, a something. I'm not really sure exactly what it is, but um, I feel a lot of truth. I sense that. The spirit of truth is just speaking to our hearts about important things. We had, by the way, an amazing time uh, this weekend. Uh, grandson Cameron, 20 years old. First message he ever preached to a congregation was at New Wine Ministries on Saturday night. The place was packed out. His message. It's working in people's hearts even now. It was a love, sonship message that was profound, powerful, with warnings. 20 years old, brought the word of the Lord. And Sunday, Pastor David Obenauer, Victoria, came down. They brought the word. I talked to people afterwards. I said, what would you think? And they just were walking up to me. I'm on fire. I'm on fire. Oh, praise God, man. Pastor Dave brought the word. Victoria brought the call to repentance, not only for the sinner that's never been saved, but for the saved to rededicate their lives. Ten to 12 people showed up at the altar because there's a hunger, there's a thirst for more. You know, right now, we are supposed to be counting the Omer every day up until the Feast of Pentecost. From the day after Passover, they start a count. It's biblical. It's in, it's, in, it's in the Bible. It's with the feasts. They were to count 49 days. I think today is the 15th day of the count. Maybe the 16th. Because we haven't been focused on that. But it's in the memory bank. And what was the purpose of counting the Omer every day? It was to build up anticipation and expectation. The people every day would just, they would give an omer. And the omer represents a tenth, and they would be doing that. But they would, they would be thinking every day because they had just celebrated Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits. Now they're counting 49 days. And on the 50th day, they were to Shavuot. It's the feast of Shavuot. On that 50th day in the Old Testament, when God brought them out of Egypt on Passover, 50 days later, God brought them to Mount Sinai, gave them his law. 50 days after the true Passover lamb was slain, Jesus Christ, 50 days later, they were in an upper room and God gave his spirit and a new covenant of grace. You and I are to receive the Holy Spirit. That's the beginning of our covenant promise. You've got to be sealed by the Holy Spirit, washed in the blood of the lamb, forgiven, the blood atoned for your life. You, you are forgiven. Your name is written in the book, sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now we journey. But these people waited with anticipation. I have anticipation. I have expectation. I have expectation for this word to be fulfilled. See this word here? I'm not going to stop sharing it. <sighs> Waiting for your call? I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to say. I mean, God's love for you is so true. That's all I know. I know that God loves us. I know he does. And he's not putting us under something, you know, to bring bondage. He's bringing liberty. 
He wants you and I to be so free mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, solically, in every compact part of our soul. He wants to shine his light. He desires to, you know, he's the sun and the sun emits rays that we are the rays of light shining, manifesting, bursting out from his sonship, right? And he wants us to shine. He wants to have no dark place in us, nothing raw, nothing filthy, nothing dirty. He wants you and I cleaned up so that we can embrace life. And you know, the world is putting out rays. They are poisoning the food. They are, they are doing wicked things in the atmosphere. You can't tell me they're not doing it, man. There is something deadly, ugly, and dirty, and disgusting in the atmosphere. It's there, and I don't, want it, I don't want it to touch me. How about you? I don't want to be touched by the unclean spirits, the filthiness, right? I don't want it within myself, and I know that as human beings, we have all been filthy. That's why he talked about when I cleansed the daughters of Jerusalem from their filth. There's a cleansing so that light can shine. The darkness, is, it, it, it's a hamper. It, it prevents light from shining. You know, New Mexico just became, I think it's the first state. I don't know if it was the first or it's just another one. New Mexico legalized recreational marijuana. Yay, everybody go to New Mexico and smoke dope. Go to Portland, shoot heroin, crystal meth, snort it, shoot it, run it. Take your cocaine, freebase it, whatever you want to. Yay, we're free. How stupid. And by their sorceries, were all nations deceived. Needles everywhere. Hepatitis, AIDS. It's getting filthy dark. I don't like that. God doesn't like that. He didn't tell us to tolerate. He said, hate what is evil, abhor it. And it is abhorring. But we got to make sure that we abhor within ourselves what we see. Like Job, like Paul. It's easy to abhor out there, but what's in here? What's in here? This word of God can cleanse us. Studying this word and if you feel like every time you pick up the Bible, there's an interference, there's a distraction, you're tired, you can't focus, that's demonic interference. The devil probably has got a little territory that he's trying to use. You've got to break that. So I, I just love to read the Word. Man, we need to be in this Word. But reading it is not good enough. All of our ministers at New Wine Ministry, they'll all tell you, you could read it from now till whenever. Pastor Dave said on Sunday, Pastor Vince could preach from here until you're blue in the face, but if you don't do something with the word, it means nothing. It doesn't do anything. People that have a form of godliness but deny the power, the form of godliness, I know what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. I go to church, but you don't do it there's no power. The word has power to change us molecularly, cellularly, spiritually, DNA, blood, deep stuff, man. DNA code from the word of God. It has power to change us. 
Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind with the word of God? If we're not doing it, then we're in trouble. So be doers of the word and not hearers only, for he who is a hearer deceives himself. Lord, Lord, depart from me. I don't know you. They were deceived. Obviously, the many, Lord, Lord, here am I, prophesied in your name. I did all these things in your name. I don't know you. They were deceived. They heard the word. They didn't do the word. They had gifts. They operated in the gifts. But there was something wrong in the character. Let me ask you a question. What's more important, operating in the gifts or operating in divine nature, operating in the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Christ? Would you rather have no character and tons of gifting or would you rather have no gifting and tons of character? If I had to make a choice, I'd say give me the character. Give me the divine nature. I want holiness. I want to be like Jesus inside of me. I don't know how to do it, so God gave me the Holy Spirit. He can do it. The Holy Spirit can make that happen through fiery trials, through purging, through cleansing, through testing, through all these different things. And he leads and guides every one of them to change us. We just want to get it right. I shared one thing with my grandson before he ministered, one thing, and he repeated it, so it's okay to say it. I said, well, I walked into the back room, we prayed. I said, listen, just keep it real, keep it raw, and keep it righteous. Keep it real, keep it raw, and keep it righteous. That's what the Holy Spirit told me to tell him. And he kept it real. Four people came up to us and said, man, that was real. He shared his testimony. He kept it raw. In other words, no cosmetics. No cosmetics. Just keep it raw. And then keep it righteous, because we have a tendency we could shift into becoming brash or whatever. Keep it righteous. And he did. He did exactly that. And you and I need to keep it real, keep it raw, and keep it righteous. The raw, unadulterated truth. And we need to be surrounded by people that will tell us, you're not keeping it real right now. You're not keeping it raw. You're putting cosmetics on this, some makeup. No, we don't want it. And you're getting a little bit outside of righteousness. We need people around our lives to hold us accountable. That's what Christian fellowship is all about. Praise the Lord. Let's see what our chat room is saying. I'm going to say good morning to Melissa Fletcher this morning. God bless you, Melissa. I just heard that we're going to actually be seeing you up in South Dakota, maybe even ministering at your church. I am so looking forward to that, Patricia and I, seeing you and the saints of God. May God already prepare that blessing for all of us. Uh, Cindy is with us today. God bless you, Cindy. Hallelujah. What a servant of the Lord. Kevin Hauger, good morning, Pastor V and all. Good morning, Kevin. Thank you for all the hard work you do. Uh, Brenda Torville, good morning, Pastor Vincent. Good morning, Brenda. God bless you. Kim Boiling from Colorado, good morning, kisses and hugs. Praise the Lord, pass the ammunition with holy kisses and hugs. Sarah Anchorman, what a great word today. So needed for the watchers. Thank you so much, Sarah. God bless you. Uh, Terry Shannon, good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning, Terry. God bless you as well. Brenda Torville, good morning, Terry. All right, so Keith Carey is coming in. Good morning, everyone. And Pastor From what I am reading through Air Force Times, the 2020 war game scenario against Taiwan, we barely win. 
with use of equipment not approved for development. Okay, that's a different thought for today. Keith, we need, probably need to get into that. Um, we're getting some correct Pastor Vincent at the Ezekiel 38-39 war. Prophecy signs are here before our eyes. Uh, Cindy saying preach it. Very good. Uh, Keith Carey, Supreme Court strikes down California's restriction on in-home worship gatherings. Praise the Lord. That's really good. By only a 5-4 decision. That's not good. To not have more than three families in a home meeting, California demons are scared of us. Yeah, probably true. Diana Lankford, Lord help us. Amen. Good morning, Diana Lankford. Janet Ruth Ryder, good morning. Good morning to you, Janet. Um, Psalm 91, Sean Woodson is with us. Hey, Sean. Hello, my brother Vincent. Hello, Sean. Sean says, I heard on the radio that they are wanting to ban the Bible now. Not surprising to me, Sean, if that's true. Melissa Fletcher said, I had a prophetic dream on Sunday that resonates with this. And evil, as we have never seen before, is going to be unleashed. Well, that's what we're, we're getting at, too. There will be nowhere to hide. We will be tempted in every way. Destruction and darkness will be everywhere. The people will panic, and confusion will be rampant. The Lord will protect those that are his. Get in the word. Get on your knees in prayer and walk in the light. God, this sounds exactly like what we just talked about at the beginning of this broadcast, Melissa. Amazing. Sarah Ankerman, Cindy Messerman, thanks for this. Okay, so that. Uh, Brenda. Terry Shannon saying, Pastor Vincent is preaching such a timely message. I must agree wholeheartedly with him at this time. However, as he asks, is your heart dwelling in the secret place of the Most High? Then, for extra assurance, read Revelation 3.10 for ultimate peace. We do need peace. We need confidence. And we do need to dwell in the presence of the Lord. All right, so uh, some other uh, comments. Carol Carey, phone is okay on YouTube. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Kim is saying amen. Praise the Lord. So I just see a lot of agreement out there. I see a lot of agreement. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You guys are awesome. All right, so can I say to you, God... Your father loves you with an everlasting love. You are the apple of his eye. You've been grafted in. What a moment, saints. You and I have an opportunity. A golden opportunity is before us. To gather together as a harmonious, unanimous orchestra with the Holy Spirit conducting each one of our lives, playing each one of our notes, I think what we need to do, I'm going to say it right now, good ideas and God ideas, right? Well, here's what it is. The Feast of the Lord, we gathered for Passover. We touched on it. We're not perfect in these things because we're not celebrating external things, okay? We're looking at the inward part. We need to, for the Feast of Pentecost, We need to gather together in one place. Now, your ecclesia, wherever you are, I hope your uh, pastor will be encouraged to gather the flock together in one place and between now and then work on the unanimous harmony. Get into harmony. It's available, I'm telling you. That's why, uh, as, as our brother said, that the demons are afraid about families gathering in California. He's terrified about the unity that's going to break out in your church. It really is. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a meeting right here in Northwest Arkansas for the Feast 
of Shavuot. We know it is the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Harvest. Okay, and we're going to deal in that feast of the Holy Spirit. I'll be giving you some more information as we go through the days. We've got a busy week ahead of us. And um, if you didn't hear the first part of this message today, in about 10 minutes, you can get it on the archives at uh, new uh, blog talk radio. You, you know, there's ways to find it even on YouTube and Facebook. You want to hear the first half of the message. If you didn't, if you didn't hear the last part of the message, get it. and that's it. Have a great day right now on omegaradio.org. There's a round table discussion dealing with some spiritual issues that maybe people are dealing with. You don't want to miss that. Omegaradio.org. I'm Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Have a super blessed day. We'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. By the way, tomorrow, Daniel Second will be joining me from Australia. You don't want to miss that. Till we meet again, God bless.